welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. here because you never know who's new showing up to these things my name is cj reynolds and i run this youtube channel called real rap with reynolds and real rap means real talk not that i am a rapper um what we do is we show up every sunday me and this cohort of amazing folks here in the comment section and we answer your questions because we realize that being a teacher is a community activity um so teachers can't do it by themselves so um you can show up it's every sunday at 1 p.m you Usually I'm not messing things up and, and not showing up or, or skipping dates or whatever, but usually it's 1 p.m. every Sunday. And then this also gets turned into a podcast that you can look up teacher talk on any podcast uh, platform and you will find stuff there. There's also a book out. We can see back here, teacher class off. It's my own book that I wrote. Um, it's on Amazon and uh, Barnes Noble. Dot com and then i don't know man there's all kinds of other stuff go to real you can go to the facebook group teacher talk you can go to my youtube channel and look up almost 400 videos worth of stuff you can um sign up for mentoring where i can personally mentor you i can come to your school there's all it's really endless. it feels seemingly endless and it's and we haven't that. even gotten started dude we are we have, we have so many ideas. So much stuff coming that it's like it's not even started um i like when the seat goes back I can do this because it just makes me feel like yes. And Brody sets it up like that. I he loves chilling like no, that. Brody, no, Brody sets it on rigid and he puts the armrest oh, all the way up for some reason. I'm like, what are you, a T-Rex? Like, why are you on your arms so short? So here's the gig. Put your uh, questions in the comment section. I'll answer anything that you got. Nothing's off the table. Um, and don't be surprised if somebody else speaks back to you. So if you're new here, you share something, um, that's cool. And if you don't want to share anything, you don't want to talk in the chat, just show up. There's plenty of people that do that also. And there's like no shame in your game there. Um, but if you could put question or cue before the question, that would be, that'd be rad. What do you got there? It's so official when I have this microphone in front of me. Right. Uh, no. Which we often forget. We have first question. We do. Here it is. Kim H. I have a friend named Kim H. It'd be awesome. If that was her. She could be my friend also. Though. Uh, my school is year round. Whoo, and we go back next month. There's debate about staff wearing masks. I'm torn. Thoughts. So I think, you know, it's, 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 it's like, who is telling us what is right seems to be the problem, right? I am not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think my civil liberties have been stripped because I have to wear a mask into a store or something like that. Like, I'm fairly certain my mask doesn't do anything, but it makes me feel a little bit better when I got the mask on and I'm in Dick's trade, the sporting goods yesterday, and there's about 9 million people in there, which I didn't know was going to be the case, but who knew that many people went to Dick's? I don't know. Like, they were all buying fishing rods, apparently, for Father's Day. Um, <laughs> but it is, what it comes down to is, um, one what are you required to do? And if it's not like, if it's not really pushing against who you are as a person, um, seriously, are they letting the, why are they carrying, getting the dog all carried? Hold on one sec. Ben, come on. Go, go lay down. Marley's, I'm like, Marl, I'm on a live feed. She goes, oh, I forgot. I'm like, I literally told you like 30 seconds ago. So um, I think that the idea of um of like there's things that look if you've watched my channel for five seconds you realize that like there are things that i just don't do like there are things that 
the school schools decide or the district decides or, or whatever, whoever decides. And I just think that they are not good practice and they are not about the kids. So I don't do it. That being said, going back next year, if I have to wear a mask, I'm going to do it. But um, I just I think the bigger question is, what are we doing putting kids in a situation where they have to go back to school, especially when I have a ton of students that are raised by their grandparents and they, you know, or students that like um, kids that live in the city have a higher rate of asthma that if you have asthma, if you have uh, an immune uh, or a compromised immune system, if you live with someone with a compromised immune system, if you live with folks that are older, like you're raised by your grandparents, you live with your grandparents or you're taking care of your grandparents. um, There's all these factors at play that are like, dude, what are we, what are what are we really doing are we going to school so we could say we went to school and we were rigorous because i'm thinking the way my class runs how does this even what does this look like when we can't do group work we can't do um like i can't have us moving around the room or moving around the building or being outside or doing other stuff it's like what does it look like when we're literally sitting in seats doing work and i can't even like get next to you to squat down to talk about some stuff. Like, I don't like if I have to stay six feet away, I just don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I'll tell you what though. It means that the hand on a stick is going to come in super handy this year. That was no (laughs) pen intended, but um, yeah. So um, so that's kind of like, doesn't exactly answer the question, but I think it's, it's a really big topic that I think schools are thinking about from a policy issue or from a like require, like, days required by this by the state or the you know or the national government instead of like what's actually best for kids um and how do we keep our teachers from like losing all their hair this year because the way our school is even thinking about doing this is very it's concerning to me and i try not to get too concerned about it but that is some of the stuff that's kind of you know rumbling around in my head um so yeah I wonder why there hasn't been bigger talk of changing like the policies for like mandated school days in the school year. Like, why is there no talk about changing that so that can impact how a day would be run? Because we don't schedule. Because if the policymakers are not educators by and large, right? Sure, I understand, but I'm talking about like it's a pandemic that's not going anywhere, right? It's still here. It's it's. Well, I think part of it is probably there's something to say about like parents count on the school oh that's true you know what i mean that. like they need their kids to go to school they can't teach their kids they have to work you yeah. know it's like if you go to work and you have a little one like if kimmy had to go to school like or like go to work yeah like what would they do with their four kids like yeah. they can't raise themselves this is low house in the prairie so yeah. i just i wonder i'm sure that plays a part also but um I know there's already students I've heard about at our school that are wondering, like that are asking to be taught distance wise because of a number of health issues and stuff like that. So, yeah. So it's a lot to weigh and it's like, and it's not a long-term thing. It's like, you know, even if it takes two years, three years, whatever, actually go back. So it's like how much, it's almost like they'd rather patch the hole in the canoe than just get out of the water and wait for, you know, the canoe to be fixed properly. That was a weird metaphor, but mm-hmm. we'll keep going. Um, Jay is asking, uh, what do you think about schools reopening again? I think that goes, that, that speaks to that. It's it's this idea that I I think there needs to be a push. And I think there needs to be a push by educators because no one else is going to do it, man. You know, not your union rep, not your, not your district, not your, 
PTA. I mean, PTA could be a part of it, but I think it is community coming together and saying like, um, and, and look, I'm not pushing for one way or another. What I'm simply asking for is, are we truly thinking about students when we're making these decisions? And I think that that is what it comes down to. Um, and to some extent, you know, not to some extent rather, but you know, with including that, our teachers, because what are we asking them to do? So like, I have a spider on here. I don't know. Um, it's, uh, it's, are we asking teachers to do something that is not, that it's not healthy for them? So the way our school is kind of imagining this right now is splitting the day. And I, am, I think it's like three hour chunks. So I would have half of my students in the morning for three hours. Then there's an hour where we like clean our rooms and wipe them down and like have off for an hour. I hate air quotes, but I had to do it there. And then the next half of the students would come in in the afternoon. And so we have a, a rotating schedule. So on Monday, I have periods one through eight straight through. On Tuesdays, it's periods, we start on period two and go through one. So like that first period goes to the end of the day. Wednesday starts on period three, Thursday starts on period four and so on. So there are days that I would have, if I don't have a period one, I'd have two sizable chunks off during the day. But on Tuesdays, starting with like, I would have, a, I would teach a lot more. Um, so, however, that doesn't, that's sort of what they were talking about. So if that didn't completely make sense, doesn't completely make sense to me either. What I know though, is that there are days that I would be teaching almost the entire day straight through. And that's just not, it just doesn't make sense to me because there's no time for connection with students, for finding out how kids are, for um, do, just doing any number of things. And CDC is saying that like kids can't like all be in a, in a lunchroom together. They, there's no like common spaces for students to be around. So like, what does that look like? Like, I, I don't know what that looks like. So it's just, it's problematic. It's something I get worked up about. But it's also something I've been thinking about a lot because, um, I, I because I because I don't think those in charge are really keeping in mind um, the students, and and that is that's my concern. I'm not saying that that's 100% it. I don't know, really know what the hell they're talking about, but it, by the looks of things, it seems like that, um, and that's generally how things go. So it's like let's just keep the kids in mind. And then I think as a teacher, it's our job to say something back. It's to push back on, on whatever level that we can to say like, um, no, this is what we need for the kids. This is what's right for the kids. Um, because you know what? Hashtag kids deserve it. <laughs> um, your skin looks very nice today. Oh, thank you. So just wanted to say that to you. Um, Chris Chong, my buddy is saying, happy Father's Day, Rounds. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, what are your plans for reflecting on the past year and preparing for next year? Chris, that's a great question. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, I reflect a lot. I do like a lot of these sort of check-ins where um, once, twice a year, I kind of look at my life. I look at what I've done, what I want, what, my, what were my goals, where did I get, and then kind of break some of that down to see like, well, how could I have done better? What what work that I didn't expect worked. Um, here's one of my takeaways, Chris. This is one of the things I'm thinking about this year. I think, and this is not, this is a col collection of people that I've read and listened to. So this isn't like, a, like an original Reynolds thing, but I've been thinking about the fact that like most people reflect on their year once a year, right? It's usually teachers either at the end of the year or somewhere around New Year's, right? Generally, people look at their health, their wellness, their happiness, and those sorts of things. I have 
started thinking about how that's most folks. Other folks do it um, like, let's say twice a year or quarterly, right? And this is what I used to do. I was a quarterly person, right? So I would take a silent retreat quarterly, meaning I would go away for a day or two silently, um, just reading and writing and thinking and, and praying and stuff like that. And that got me a certain response, right? It was a good thing to be able to get out quarterly. I think the people that are the best in the world, anything they do are doing it daily, weekly, if not daily. So one of the things I've been doing, I made a new spreadsheet uh, and I just keep it on Google and I have this spreadsheet that is, I am checking certain metrics every day, right? So I know that for my own personal well-being, so th th this is something I'm actually gonna make a video about. When you are getting ready for next year, especially this upcoming year, where most of us have zero idea of what this is actually going to look like, like how many students are actually gonna come to school? How much distance learning is happening? How many students are in your classroom? Like um, our school has all kinds of crazy changes that I can't even talk about yet. Um, I don't think so. Um, that are coming up this year that are going to deeply impact my year. I have zero control over any of that, right? What I do have control over is how I show up. Um, I think Oprah Winfrey once said um, that you are responsible for the energy that you bring into a room, right? I'm gonna say that again. You are responsible for the energy that you bring into a room. And what that means is how I show up is gonna affect the people around me, right? If I feel like I'm at my best, even though, you know, even though we're losing the game at the end of the fourth quarter, doesn't it means that how I'm showing up is going to affect the team. If I'm like bummed, if I'm depressed, if I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this, this stuff is nonsense and it sucks. It's going to affect people in the room. But if I can put the most into myself, if I can be at my best place that I can, doesn't mean you're on 10. But if you're a solid eight instead of a six or a five or a four, you're going to bring better energy. And so I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about certain things that that when I am doing them, I'm at my best. So what this has looked like is I made a spreadsheet. It is very rudimentary because I'm a spreadsheet dude. I'm a, I'm a feelings guy. I'm not a like Edie, a, could, uh... Edie would have the most sick spreadsheet. Edie has access to my spreadsheet on the Google Drive now. So uh, I wonder. You'll go in and it'll be all rearranged it'll be like and like color coded. Yeah, and... it'll be like like symbols and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I'm measuring myself on a number of things. So like for one, I weigh myself every morning, right? So I have a scale in the bathroom. I weigh myself every morning because I don't want, because the beginning of COVID, I like, I was literally living off of, I was, well, so we were doing, I was doing day drinking because it was that kind of a, because you just didn't care. And I was eating, I was eating chocolate chip cookie dough out of the pre-made container, but like, like we went through a huge thing of it from BJ's in probably three days. But I was CJ's. But I started with culprit. a spoonful, <laughs> and then you know you cross the line when you have the tub and you just bring it with you to the couch because now you've gone too far. That's one. Two. I was wearing a lot of sweatpants and running shorts. And the problem with sweatpants and running shorts, kids, is they grow with you. So you didn't know that you were getting a little thick in the middle because until the next time you had to put on real pants because you were actually going out somewhere. And then you put them on, you're like, oh, did these shrink? Did you did you put these right in the dryer? Because they are, I'm feeling a little, whoo, well, the muffin got a little bit bigger there. So 
Um, yeah, so that's the problem with sweatpants is they grow with you. Uh, belts don't lie. So I, it's like weighing myself, it is, um, and then just yes or no. Like, what did I do today? Did I exercise? So I have in mind certain exercises that I want to be doing. Am I, um, I'm really, really been interested in probiotics lately. So probiotics are, it turns out that 90% um, scientists say of your serotonin, the feeling that makes you feel good comes from your gut health. And so I've been drinking, what's that terrible stuff I've been drinking? Kombucha. Oh, kombucha, which is like devil water. I mean, it we is. could go back to uh, kefir. Oh, That's technically. It's just no way to get a good way to get it done. It just tastes like, Shut up. it just tastes awful. It's like, it's like awful. So I've been doing that. I've been taking vitamin D supplements. I've been taking probiotic supplements because um, those turns out has something to do with your mood. Um, exercising, am I getting enough sleep? Am I drinking at least a certain amount of water that I have measured out for the day? And there's other things on this list that there's about 10 things or so. And every day I fill it out in the morning. I put the things I did in the morning and then I put whatever I finished last night. And then um, I've been doing that for a series of days. And so Chris, I think to answer your question, one of the things I'm doing to get ready for next year and not knowing what this is going to look like, like if I can interact with my students, if we can move around the classroom, if we like how normalized it's going to be, um, I am instead prepping myself because I know that no matter who the competitor is that steps into the ring with me, if I show up at my best version of myself, then I'm going to do the best that I can. So that's that's where I'm getting to. Um, Jesse Lee is asking, I'm a college student knew the area and want to get involved with a high school near me, should I contact admin or teachers directly to possibly help or observe in classrooms? First of all, let me just say this, Jesse. That is something, that's advice I give people all the time. And I just applaud you for even doing it, right? The best way to get, you know, good at anything is to get involved with people that are doing it. I would, I would do either one of those things, right? So I would maybe contact admin um, or a teacher because you're not sure because sometimes there's other people involved. So I would say like at my school, I've had people that have wanted to get involved before, right? They find my YouTube channel, they know where I teach and they live in the area or something and they just wanna, they just wanna do something, right? They are a local construction worker or a plumber or you know, they build sets in the city and they just wanna give back, right? Um, and so they will contact me uh, so I can put them in touch with the person that's in charge. So maybe they want to lead like an after school program or they want to help tutor kids or lead like a leadership group or something like that. And so it's just about helping folks to get it to the right person. Um, but I think that that's a great idea. And I wouldn't stop at a few, like send it to as many places as you can. And then also think about what after school programs that aren't specifically like there are after school programs, especially in the Philly area. Um, but I'm sure every city has them that aren't run by the Philadelphia school district. They're run by some sort of nonprofit organization. So there might be opportunities there as well, because what you're the bottom line that what you're really looking for, and I think is the most important is just interaction with kids. It's interacting with students um, and helping them get from here to here. And I just, I think that that's the move. So I don't think that there's a right or a wrong person even if it's the same school, just say, hey, I wasn't really sure who to contact. So I am sending this to several people at your school because I just want to maximize my chances of being able to, to help. Do you think that schools, despite all that's going on with COVID, will bring will allow people to do that? So this year? I, I think it depends on how innovative the schools are. So they maybe there's an opportunity for her to 
connect with students online for right now or um or like depending on what she's capable of doing or willing to do like our school remember when they were asking us for volunteers to like go to kids houses and people would just sit outside with them or on their porch with them and help them get through their work so i think it i think asking i think if you don't ask the answers already know for sure and one and two uh you just don't know how innovative or how like maybe schools are like, oh my God, thank God you got in contact with us. Yeah. And then it's also just going to benefit you like going forward to try and get a job too. Cause then you have like this connect already and they know who you are and what you're about. Mm. Um, Rebecca Wood, what's up buddy? Says, uh, how do you build relationships with new students in online learning? So this is something I've been giving a lot of thought to. And I here's here's what I've come up with so far. I think that building relationships is built on only a couple of things. One, it is authenticity. It is being real. You cannot build relationships that are built on fake feelings um, or fake interest. So when I hear teachers, and I've worked with a lot of people that will do stuff like overly use slang um, so they can sound down, or they pretend that they really love Drake or Meek Mill or, or whatever else is out there, um, and you can't do that. You can't fake the funk. I will let kids know that I listen to an album, watch a movie, write a book, watch a TV show because they were interested in it. But it wasn't like I didn't watch like on my block because I loved it. I watched it because I knew my kids were watching it. And so I tell them like, no, I watched this. And this is what maybe I liked about it or didn't like about it. Um, I just watched, I watched like this summer already. I've watched uh, almost the whole Michael Jordan uh, documentary. And then I watched a Kobe Bryant documentary the other day called muse <clears throat> i think it's called muse it was really really good uh but i'm not a basketball fan but i watch it because i know that's where my students attention is so authenticity is huge and then willingness so showing students that you're willing to reach out to to say something to them to to be to show up again and again and again is going to mean something and so i think that even online you know, the struggle is always for those of us that have built connections with students in person, that we read body language, that we get we get a sense, we use our intuition. Um, it could be, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be different, but I think that it can still happen because you're showing up and you're showing your authenticity and you're showing your willingness to want to show up, to connect with students. I think that always rings true all the time. Um, and... Yeah, so that's what I would do. And then I would talk to other teachers too about how can we do this as, an, as a group? Because I found a lot of success in like, we were meeting with seniors every week, uh, myself and it was myself and Cho. And we were doing that every week. And it was like, um, it was nice to be able to be in it with someone else or my friend uh, Fines and I would show up once a week and we did like a club online with just talking Netflix shows with kids. And it was nice to have another adult in there too, to, to just bounce ideas off of and to mirror or sort of like be an example of what this conversation could look like. Um, so that was fun too. And it just makes it more fun to have like more people involved. I like, I love that all the time. So yeah, that's something about what you got there. Oh, well, I was making sure I actually moved to the next question. Cool. Uh, Jody, are you growing watermelons? Is that what that picture is? I think it's watermelon. Oh, excellent. Just decided today I'm going to grow pumpkins this summer on the side of my house. I don't know how that's going to go, but because I live in a row home, but it'll 
I'll keep you posted. Um, question, do you think I would benefit from student teaching if my school district decides to do completely distance learning? I'm currently in an MAT program and I'm worried that I'll miss key experiences. So Jody, I, I would say that for me, student teaching was paramount. It was like, it was such a good experience for me in a number of ways. I will also say that I went into incredible credit card debt while student teaching because I couldn't work. It was zero time to like, I, like it was either sleep or work. And I had to sleep at least six hours a night. So, um, so I couldn't work. So I like really was indebted. I also had an amazing cooperating teacher for my student teaching also. Um, whenever I hear the hose go on over here, I'm always wondering, know. Like, what are we doing outside right now mm -hmm. with the hose? Because they're rinsing out their paintbrushes. And it's getting much stronger out there. Because they don't know how to turn it off. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right there. So I think it depends on your experience. I've known tons of people that hated student teaching. They didn't like their cooperating teacher. They didn't like the school that they were at, the classes that they were given. They weren't allowed to student teach. I was teaching a full class by the second week of school. I was teaching all the classes by the third week, maybe second, two and a half, three weeks in, um, which most people don't do until like, you know, end of October, November, but that's because I had a really great cooperating teacher. So there's no telling that like, if you student teach the traditional way that it's gonna be this full tilt, like amazing experience. Um, but I think any experience where you are, look, you're, but what you're doing in student teaching, even if it's distance learning, is you are stepping in the teacher's shoes as they are right now and not into maybe what you thought they were going to be. But I think education is about learning to pivot all the time. I've talked about this at length. I talk about it in my book, this idea of uh, teaching like a DJ where you just don't know what's going to happen. Maybe next year you come back and your principal was fired. Maybe you come back next year and they moved you to fourth grade from, from sixth grade. Maybe you got moved to kindergarten. Maybe your co-teacher quit. Maybe your, you know, your district re-navigated how, where students are busing in from. And now your classes are much larger or much smaller. Like we just don't know. And so I think it's good practice to just get ready for anything. Um, that's, I just think that that's a good move. So um, we, so yeah, I just think that's that's what I would keep in mind. Um, and I, I know plenty of folks that have done like a, a like a program, like an alternative route program, where they've gone from right like some other job in the public sector to learning in June or July, like how to be a teacher, and then just get dropped in the classroom in September. And they figured it out, and it was great for them, and they didn't need student teaching. Um, I think the thing I would keep in mind is building that community of educators around you. Now that could be online. It could be in our Facebook group. It could be at your school and people in person. It could be someone in a neighboring district that you are just friends with. But it's about not going through this alone and doing this with other people. That is something I did not do when I started student teaching and I wish I had, especially because I am so drawn to, um, to community anyway. Like I love being part of community. And so that's the one thing I would suggest is like, trying to connect yourself, even if it's with one person, could be one, could be five, whatever, but like, who is that person you're going through this with? Because no one understands teacher life like teachers. As much as I try and explain certain things to my wife, um, you just can't know unless you do. It's, it's like having kids, right? Like those of us with kids, 
we just know you can't explain what it's like to have a child um, without having children. It's just impossible. It's difficult, not impossible. Non-parents don't get freaked out when they hear the, the hose go on when they're in the, <laughs> and then go, wait, what's going on out there? They just hear the hose go on. That's what I think. Um, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Laura is asking, happy Father's Day, Reynolds. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm happy to be able to have kids that I love um, and be able to celebrate that everything. Um, what were some of the things you discovered about yourself as a teacher because of COVID? How will it change you as a teacher moving forward? This is a great question. I don't think I fully realized how important it is to be with children in this job, that this distance learning cannot be the norm, right? For me. Um, if I had to, it, I'll say this, if teaching moved into this indefinitely, like if we became the people of Wally, um, or just online teaching, I, I don't think it's not what I would do anymore. I would, I don't think I would teach anymore. Um, because it's so paramount for me. I know my gifts lie in interacting face to face with young people. That is, that's the strength. It's not creating online content, which I can do, um, but that's not my skill. That's not, that's not the, that's not the gift that I'm bringing to this. Um, the other thing that kind of really changed me was, uh, seeing how some students just did better, like infinitely better when they were at home, like without the distractions, without the big classes, without all the nonsense moving on their own schedule. Some kids really leaned into that. And there was actually this kid, um, Nakeem, who was a student of mine. Uh, I call him Keem Tom, which he didn't like. But anyway, uh, Keem Tom was, uh, he was a good student. He had like, he was like a, a decent student in class. But when we went to online learning, he just crushed it. Like it was like night and day, like every, to the point where like, you know, it's how some kids will hand in an assignment and you feel like you don't even really have to look at it that much because you just know all the answers are going to be right. You get about halfway through, like, bro, you got a hundred. Like, you know, that's like, it was that kind of thing. And he wasn't, although he was a good dude, he wasn't that guy before. And that was really impressive. And it really showed me that what differentiated instruction could look like even more, like how much more independence could some students just roll with and be better because of. So I'm keeping that in mind for next year. Um, I'm thinking a lot more about especially because of how we're, what we're moving into and how students have to be independent, how our students perhaps may be teaching my class next year. So how do I turn kids into the facilitators of the class uh, and say, here's your thing. This is what you have to teach everyone else. Go. And I've done that before, but I'm wondering how much more I could do that. Uh, and really just being thankful to be around. I think when we go back to school, even though I can't hug anybody or, you know, shake hands or any of that stuff, just to be around people. It's like, uh, it's like the sun, right? Like in the summer, you get more vitamin D and you just feel better. And in the winter, you're not always sure what that is, but it's that absence from that, that light source. That's, that's so crucial. And school feels a lot like that. Like we're still kind of doing it. Like all, distance learning is like taking a vitamin D supplement. Um, and that's good, <laughs> but it's, it doesn't compare to like, like 
putting your face to the sun and like just really feeling the rays and like feeling like, damn, that feels good. That's what I'm thinking about a lot. Uh, that was very hippie of me. I'm going to move on to my next question. This is my old hippie roots coming, coming back. Um, Chloe Allen is asking, how do you handle work-life balance? I love to work on school and other things. Uh, I do. So curious on your outlook. So I just actually talked about this the other day uh, or maybe last week. Um, this is a, this is not a bad one to, to note, but like, I think worth life balance is a myth overall. And what I mean by that is I don't know that you ever get to a place where you're just like there, right? I think it's always pivoting. I think it's always moving. I liken it to spinning plates. So if you're spinning plates and I have a lot of plates in my, in my life, whether it is teaching, parenting, being a husband, being a friend, um, running a business, all the different aspects of my business, uh, trying to make new connections, trying to be like trying to all the hopes and dreams and goals that I have, like working on making those actually come true. Mental health, physical health, yep. that are all different plates. Yeah. There's so a it's a lot of plates on there. And so it is sometimes I need to be over here spinning these plates hard. It's the beginning of the school year. I'm getting after it. I'm working hard. I'm focused on school. Other times, if I'm noting that like my kids need a little bit more care, I have to move from those and shift and take care of these plates. Then when I'm feeling worn down and tired, like this all day yesterday, basically all day yesterday, I think I watched TV for most of the day yesterday. Yesterday? And that is something I do. We bounced between. A couple of times a year. Being in the garden. And yeah, like I was either working outside. in my garden. Yeah. Having coffee outside. Or coming in and watching TV. Or watching TV. And I did, I mean, I did work out and stuff like that, but like largely that's what I did. Um, and that's okay. And I think it's about, I think work-life balance is really about having grace for yourself and being mindful of your intuition. We all know when you need to, to, to anytime I've ever gotten even a little bit sick, which I don't get major sick, but the reason I don't get major sick anymore is because I, I am mindful. I'm feeling a little bit run down. I'm just going to take it easy tonight. Um, I need a night out with my friends. I need to laugh. I need to watch something funny. I need to um, get into my garden a little bit more. I need to spend time in my wood shop. I need to go for a run. It's about reading those internal signals and not letting life like dictate what you are doing. You're going off of your own internal signals. And I think when we do that, um, that's how you can achieve some sort of balance. But you have to know that uh, our pastor says that it's sort of like a, a seesaw, right? Like you're either... You go one way or the other. There's no, like, even if you're trying to keep it in the middle, like Always when you were little, tweaking. yeah, when you were little and you were on the seesaw, right? If you're trying to keep it there, you're always like having to move one leg to try and, so you're never perfectly magically still. Yeah. There's always some little shifting going on there. And I think that that's what it's about. I think it's paying attention to the seasons that you're in in life and what you need to be focused on and let that come from you or you know, from what, what is your intuition telling you about where your attention should be at that moment? I think that that's where work-life balance comes in. Um, Handy Z is, is asking, uh, apart from saying administration and I were not a good match, what are, what is a positive way for you explaining why, or why I was not renewed? Um, so if you're going, Let's think about that. If administration and you were not a good fit. Um, what are you telling your 
What do you tell them when they ask why was your contract not renewed? I, you know what? I mean, my, my, I, I, this is like off, off the cusp, but my initial thought would be, I just wouldn't spend that much time on it. I wouldn't spend that much time on why that thing didn't work. I would spend time on talking about why this was going to work. Um, and I know I make a lot of dating metaphors, but like if I was dating someone new and I had an ex-wife, um, I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time telling them why that relationship didn't work. I would talk about how this relationship was going to work. Why am I excited? Why is your school a great fit for me? Why am, like, when you hire me, oh, that's really good thinking advice. about, thanks. Flipping the script. Yeah. Flipping, like, the question. Kind of like, yeah, I like that. This is what I learned from my previous job, maybe. Like, this is what I learned from not being asked back or, 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 or not deciding to go back to that school. Um, and I think that that is, that, that's the move that I would focus on. It's like, I, I, you know, I have a video coming out about this, about uh, job interviews that I just made, because I've been asked about it for like the last three years. I finally made it. Um, but it's, I tried not to make it like regular job interview stuff. Like there's, you can look those things up. There's a million blogs with the top five things you do at a job interview. But to me, it's about focusing on like, why do I think that this school is like, I'm going to help be, I'm going to be an asset to your community at your school. And this is how, because I've looked at your website, I've read your school newspaper, and I've looked at you guys uh, online, whether it's your Facebook, your Instagram or whatever. And I'm going to start inserting myself into things and saying like, I saw that you guys do this. I love lacrosse. I'd love to be a part of that. Or that, you know, like your drama uh, department. Um, I have this skill set where like I used to study costume design or I really love computers or robotics or um, I love like I saw that you guys are into this type of learning and this is what fires me up about that because what we're not doing is going to schools and I know that this is this is um, easier said than done, right? Because especially if you're like me, if you're an English teacher, history teacher, we're a dime a dozen. And so there's a million people trying to get that job. But what I want to do is look at what you're doing and figure out, am I a good fit for the type of school that you're running? I know now that there are tons of schools that I just, I'm like, no, I'd never even, I'd never apply at that school because I don't like their model that they're going after. Um, so there are certain like charter schools say that have a very specific focus that I don't, that I don't agree with, or I, or I can't see myself getting excited about. So it's like, finding a school that excites you and then going in and say, dude, this is why we're like, thank God we found each other. This is going to be awesome. And this is all the stuff that I feel like I can bring to the table. Um, because look, let me say this also. I, I talk about this in my video too, but I think that on paper, some of us look so limited, right? I didn't start teaching until I was 27. I do not have a master's. I do not have, um, uh, I never, I talked about this before. I almost got teacher of the year and then they took it away from me last minute because I quit my job and they were pissed off at me. Um, I don't have a doctorate. I never, like there's a lot of things I don't have that make your resume look good. But there's a part from the book, there's a book called The Little Prince. It's a French book. Um, and Mr. Rogers used to quote it all the time. And, and the quote is something along the lines of, that is what what is essential is unseen. Meaning the part of you that is the greatest, that is the most important, the thing that you bring to the table, to the relationship, to the community, to the school that you want to teach in cannot be seen on the outside, right? It's not what you're wearing. It's not what's on your resume. It is what you are 
in, inside that really counts, right? And I think that that matters so much, but you need to tell people what that is. What do you bring to the job? I am amazing at connecting with young people. I only put the students first. Education is only ever about the students. I love to show up and to just listen to kids, to create a safe space for them, to make sure that everyone is getting a free and um, a free and appropriate education. And the way that I do that is, you know, I look for the kids that are flying under the radar and I make sure that they know they're not invisible and that they are learning and that they are capable and that they grow into the person that they want to become. That's stuff that like, I know that I focus on that. I need a school to know that I'm not going to put on my resume. I have, I mean, what kind of like, that would be awesome resume, but I'd have to have rainbows on it and stuff. Cause it would be like, you know, uh, you know, qualities would not just be like, he's good at word and spreadsheets. It would be like, uh, making connections with students and making them feel good. I have I put on really good parties in my classroom. I make experiences. I try to have, as Dave Burgess says, classes that someone would buy a ticket to, right? So Burgess talks about in his book, Teach Like a Pirate, do what lessons do you teach every year that you could sell tickets to? And I have some of those. And so, but that's not something I could, that's going to come up unless I let someone in on that. So that's that's what I'm thinking about in terms of that. Um, Catherine is asking, I'm pre-service and I have field work placement with my favorite teacher from my practicum. Love it, love it, love it. No one knows what our state is going to do with schools yet. What is the best way I can show up for her? Catherine, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Um, this actually just came up in conversation this morning. My wife and I both have a very difficult time with birthdays, uh, with our own birthdays, right? Like, uh, I've just, I get it's something that bums me out every year. Like you get like, like slightly depressed on, on birthdays. Um, and I think some of that is like this anticipation of like how I'm supposed to feel or react. My wife doesn't know what to get me. So here, all this stuff, right? My wife has the same thing. We have decided to just tell each other what we want. If you're going to, if like, I want to get you something, what would you like for your birthday? How would you like to spend your day? What would you like to have for dinner this evening? So for Father's Day, my wife says, what do you want? I said, I literally, there's all I want to do is chill. I'm going to go to my favorite gardening place, which is uh, this place in, in Jersey called, uh, ba- I think it's called Bass Brothers or something like that. Um, it's my favorite. I, can't even, I don't even know the name. Um, and for dinner, I would really like steak and a glass of wine. That's it, dude. That's all I freaking want for the day. And I just want to not have to like do a thousand things for people. I just want to kind of chill and be together. We watch a movie or something like that. Um, and what that does, it takes all the guesswork out of it. So if I was going into the position that you're getting into with that teacher, I would ask them, what can I do that's going to make your life easier? What can I do that's going to make this the best school year it, I can for you? And then just, they might not have anything on the front end. And maybe then you just start trying stuff, right? I think um, weird acts of kindness are a really great thing. So I think like writing people notes, bringing them something like getting coffee for two, um, having the kids be a part of something or cleaning extra stuff or organizing stuff, like going where you see needs are. But I think sometimes it's just asking someone like, because what we don't know, and this is not to get in too into like the, this is a weird comparison I'm about to make, but it's like learning someone's love language. Like I know 
that, you know, certain people in my life's love language is making sure that I call them every so often and just talking to them. Right. I know that, um, some people's love, like my daughter really loves having like her back scratched hair with my son, like they play video games with them. I don't always want to play. I don't always want to play video games, not all the time, but I know that's his love language. I know that's how he knows that I care and that we're connecting and doing stuff. Um, whereas Marley wants to go skateboarding all the time. And sometimes we ride, we went two miles the other day on skateboards. You know what that's like when you're 43? I have one leg that's longer than the other now, I think. But it's learning someone's love language and how you can interact with them. And, and that has to come from really knowing them. And the best way to know them is to ask. So that would be my recommendation for that. I really think that my right leg is infinitely strong with the amount that we've been skateboarding. So switch it up. I think I'm good. You're, I'm going to be on the beach this summer. You'll be like, babe, why is your right leg all muscly? And, and then I'll be like, this one's all scrawny and looks sad and Can weird. Can you skateboard with the other one? Can you push off the nope, other one? I'm goofy foot. I have to, mm -hmm. I skate with my left foot, same way I surf uh, with mm -hmm. your my right foot in the front. Um, Mr. James is asking, have you ever thought about uh, Ron Clarking and teaching uh, and starting your own school. I like that. <laughs> I like that Ron Clark just got turned into a verb. Um, he seemingly found a way to not only start a new school, but is still in the classroom every day. Uh, I mean, uh, you'd have a slew of folks ready to sign up. So I've, I've thought about that uh, at some level. Who knows? I don't know, but here's here's why. Um, first of all, you know, I'll say this. Like, I wasn't sure about Ron Clark. I got his book. Like, I saw the movie like everybody else did. I remember, actually, I'm old enough to remember when he was on Oprah the first time. And then Oprah endorsed his book. And then I got his book. And um, I didn't like the idea of the 55 essential rules. I didn't like the idea of having that many rules. So, but in recently i'd say in the past couple of years i've sort of rediscovered him and i just think he's a genius on like a hundred levels and i've spoken with him uh in text anyway and but i've spoken to a number of people that work at his school and it's incredible like like there's a reason people like make pilgrimages to go to the ron clark academy to sit and talk there and and when you're not watching the show when you're not seeing the news when you're not watching oprah hearing it from some third party that might you might feel like they're just talking them up but when you're just privately on the phone with one of the people that works there and they're going no it's legit the greatest um i, I get it like I, I see what they're talking about um i don't know if that's what's in the cards for me i'll tell you this though i'm i I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's like it's like there's there's so much there's coming. So up. much brewing in Here's our what I can in do. CJ's mind. John Maxwell says this: that when you drive somewhere, when you have any goal, what you can't do is just be hung up on the fact that there's no direct line to the goal. Because some of us have these crazy ideas, these crazy goals, these crazy dreams that we want to get. But what you can do is go so far as you can. And then keep going. And what he likened it to, John Maxwell likens it to when you're in your car and you turn on your headlights at night and they only go that 30 or 40 feet or whatever it is in front of you that you can see the end of that, like the, where the light ends and the darkness begins. You don't not drive your car at night because you're like, yo, I don't know what the, 
I don't know what's at the end of these headlights. What if it just ends? What if there's like, what if it doesn't keep going? You drive confidently to the end of the light and the end of the light and the end of the light and the end of the light. And it's ongoing until you reach your goal. And that's, there are so many opportunities and so much great stuff happening for us right now that I'm not sure where all this that I'm doing goes, but no doubt it ends up somewhere. I think in 10 years, folks that are, I just think, I think folks will remember like when we were starting this out and it's going to be somewhere incredible and we're trying to take as many people along for the ride as we can. But um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know what that looks. So long, long answer. Uh, I don't really know, but um, I love that idea of shoo, I'm 43, man. And I feel like I'm really getting just started on this season of my life and it's going to be something incredible and amazing that I'm excited about getting into. Um, John is asking what Christian denomination are you? So I grew up, uh, I grew up Catholic. Um, and then, which really meant that I went to CCD and had to go to church every Christmas. And then, um, I, when I was like 21, um, I became part of a non-denominational church. And then for the 20 years after that, I was part of uh, brethren in Christ, which is like, it's like the Amish. And then a step out of that is the Mennonites. And then a step out of that is called brethren in Christ, um, which isn't like, you don't wear plain clothes or anything like that. It just was a bunch of hippies that love Jesus. Um, and so that was something I did. And then just recently we changed churches and we're part of this church in New Jersey called change church, which is like the most amazing place I could ever dream of being a part of. Um, and I don't even know. I think it's non-denominational, right? Yeah. I, think I didn't so. even know. I didn't even pay attention because it's just like, I just liked it's what they were so doing fantastic. so much. Yeah. Um, I think we skipped Maisha's question. Skipped said, Maisha's I know question. how terrible of me. She said, what Twitter educators or platforms do you follow? Like she's new to Twitter and I think she should um, beef that up. That's a tough one for us. Go ahead yeah. and talk about it. Yeah. So Maisha, a couple of weeks ago, no, a month like ago. Before everything with George Floyd hit. Like, yeah. And so Aubrey. even um, I'm at Aubrey, like, so there was, um, it's right when our book came out, I, Twitter's never been my strong suit, right? I just, I don't, I'm, I'm too, look at how long my answers are. I cannot contain them to 280 characters. And so, uh, there is group of individuals on Twitter that don't like, um, I'll say it this way to be kind to people. They don't like some people I get down with. Um, because they have these preconceived notions of who they think they are. And I know that they're wrong. And I, the reason I know that is because I know the people and I know that they're good people and I know what their intentions are. That being said, um, because I was associated with certain individuals, they like threw the baby out with the bathwater, right? So um, I posted my, my cover and they saw on my cover, and this is all going, I'm gonna answer your question in a second, but I think this is good to explain. Um, what they saw on my cover, they said was, someone who was, it was cultural appropriation that I was uh, stealing from the black community, from the hip hop community uh, with like all these different symbols on the side with the graffiti art that I tried to fake graffiti art and that I was smugly looking at these two children right here. Well, they said you were- And that I, did, and that I didn't know these kids and I was selling my book on uh, using black kids. And the tr fact of the matter is to me, my truth well, they about this is that um, oh, and it was the real rap guide to teaching, which was a t I was trying to rip off Chris Emden uh, because his he has like his hip hop pedagogy. Right. And so the fact of the matter to me, my truth is this was created 
by a Philly street artist who happens to be an African-American man. Um, he did this for me. And uh, I mean, we worked together. It wasn't like he just surprised me with I didn't know. These kids, DJ Dirty Kev and Hugs, are two of my favorite students ever. My view is that I thought I was looking like, you know, admiringly because I admire these two deeply. High school was not an easy task for either one of them. And I am really proud of them. And it looks to me like they are facilitating their own learning, which is what they do. Like Kev calls me once a week so we can talk about education and where he's going next and uh, life skills and stuff like that. Um, and Real Rap Guide to Teaching is just, it's like I said before, it is real talk about education. It has nothing to do with rap. Um, although there is a section of the book where I talk about why I teach the history of hip hop. That being said, man, I could not get out from under it. It was like Twitter was a we got chewed up by some Twitter folks <laughs> that were just like, no, I'm a white supremacist. I'm a racist. I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm trying to carefully speak back to that because I know people are out there doing some of this stuff. It happens a hundred percent. So it was about trying to partner with people, trying to have conversations with people. But if I had a tweet that was five tweets long, cause I couldn't say it in 280 characters, it was like, uh, if you need five tweets, then it's too long. Like you, then you should, you need to like rethink what you were talking about. It's like, no, I just, I don't operate on that, on like that. So it was like this really dramatic, crazy thing that happened. And then like the words that I was saying were getting chewed up and they're like, you're saying this. And it's like, no, I'm actually mean this. Like we can talk about your point of view. I'm all about having that kind of like honest, you know, dispute about what's going on. But um, and I'm even willing to concede the point if you're right, but it's about having that conversation. I just felt like Twitter was just a lot of folks that just like didn't want to like, they wanted to find reasons to not like you. And so that was. Well, there. they still operate out of that. Yeah. Like you so, can find all that if you really dug through, but to say that, who do we recommend on Twitter? I would I largely say that hashtag hip hop ed has a lot of really great stuff. Um, Dr. Chris Emden puts out a lot of good stuff. Uh, Ian, who I don't know what his Twitter handle is, puts out a lot of good stuff. He's also, with Chris um, he's, he's like Chris Emden's like homie. Um, I would say, uh, gosh, who else? I would say Becky, but I don't know. I don't know. I think, Twitter I think handles, for us, the like, biggest thing that in starting to grow Twitter was, um, through, other authors, right? That's where we initially yeah. connected. So that's like, and and for us specifically, because we were coming out with a book. So it was like getting to know all the DBC people. And so we haven't really like officially like went out too far to grow our Twitter because it's it's just the hardest No, but platform. who would you follow if you Yeah, but I feel Twitter. like, but in doing that, that's how you find people. It's a rabbit trail. It's a spider yeah. web. That's how Twitter works. Yeah. Um, so and I, I don't I think, think that, that we've really utilize that to its fullest benefit to find people and we're not on there a lot so i would say like i don't actually don't even know but i'd say also that it was like initially it was like finding folks through like the books that we did read the ideas that we did like um it was hearing a ted talk by a teacher and then looking them up on twitter and so what you do then is you start seeing these patterns and these places that people are existing and cohabitating and and doing good work in and that's where it comes from so um, so like whenever there's a guest, like, uh, I'll say like, one of the things I've been doing is like when 
um, call me shivy is having his lives, his teacher talks on Instagram. I always look up the people that are on there on Instagram yeah. and Twitter and see if that's someone that I want to follow. Um, and so I think that that's kind of how you, you go down, you find like trusted sources and then you see who they're engaging with. And then you see if that's someone that you want to get down with as well. Um, so I like that at that whole beginning part had zero to do with your actual question, but it was more to do with like why Twitter is why we don't have a good answer for your yeah, question. Yeah. Really. So I just wanted to pad that with that. So thank you. Um, how specific do you state standards, etc.? Uh, wait, how did how specific do you state do state standards get, and how much freedom are you given in the curriculum and lesson plan? So Anna, I would say that. Um, up till now, I don't know what next year is going to look like. There's a lot of changes coming to my school, like I said. Um, I have complete autonomy in my classroom. I do whatever I want, and I do not have to create lesson plans. I have to create a curriculum map, and there needs to be a unit plan involved. But I don't have to do weekly lesson plans, and I haven't done them for 10 years. Um, so, And even before that, I'll be transparent. I did lesson plans my first probably three years and then I stopped doing them because I realized one, no one was checking them Two, the changes that I were making weren't that huge. I was shifting things and moving pieces around, but I wasn't recreating the wheel. I was trying to like, I was constantly sort of tinkering with lesson plans to make them the best they could be for that year's group of students. Um, but now I get to read any books that I want. I get to do, I watch any movies that I want. I do any poetry that I want. I do, you know, which is why I can have the hip hop class. Like, I know schools that if you want to use a, a song in a class, you have to send it to the admin and then they need to check it out make sure that it's okay and then approve it. And they have to do the same thing with poetry. That's not like in the curriculum. I never have to do that. A new Meek song comes out, a new Taylor Swift song comes out, a new episode of something comes out. I just use it in class whenever I want. And so that has been, I know that that is not everyone's normal, but that is where we are. And look, we all know, like, to be fair, if like, and if you're in administration, most teachers aren't doing new lesson plans all the time. They're putting new dates on the top and they're handing in last year's lesson plans or last week's lesson plans because so much time goes into the paperwork and not enough time gets to go into the reimagining what this could actually look like and thinking about how could this go? How could I take this thing that happened yesterday or on the news last week and bring it into my class? How could this new book that I'm reading and become like a, uh, like a text that is going to support this text that we're reading right now. So something new that you're reading at home on your own, make like photocopies or get a, a section of it and use it in your class. Like, I think that that freedom allows us to move in a way that is, uh, that is really looking at the students in front of us so that we can dial into who they are and what they're about. And th that is what gets me excited about education. Um, so I have a lot of freedom around that and I'm really, really grateful for it as well. Uh, Scott Ordway is asking, my wife is pregnant with our second child. That is fantastic. Good job, Scott. I'm just saying, Reynolds is a great name. Um, how long should I try to take off for paternity leave? Is it that easy or should I go back to the classroom quickly? Um, so things don't get off. So Scott, I would say this one, you never get that time back. You should take all the time you can. The students will always be there and next year students and the year after that and the year after that, but your kids, there's no time that you get back for that. And here's a shift that I've made this year, Th this simple. And I think it, it, it helps answer that. 
um, when my son comes in the room and has a question, if I'm on the phone with someone, I don't care. It could be the CEO of a company. It could be the publisher, the editor, like uh, Ron Clark. anyone, <laughs> anyone. I'm on the phone with them. And my son comes in and says, has a question for me. I used to say, buddy, I need you to hold on for a second. I'm on the phone. Now I say, hey, can you hold on for one second? My son needs me. Bam. And then I'm on the phone with you. I'm showing him that he is the most important thing in my life. Um, and that is, I think, how it needs to be. That family is always, always first. And you will never get those times back with your little one. Because, look, if you have one now, you forget, like, how quick they grew up. Every once in a while, you look at your kids, you're like, damn, when did you get tall? When did you, like get like your vocabulary becomes so extensive. When did you start skateboarding and like riding scooters and climbing trees and doing all this stuff? It's like, you just forget um, because it happens so fast. So I would say a hundred percent take all the paternity leave that you need. Now, here's the thing. When my daughter was born, we, I was in school for what? A week, two weeks. Tops? She was born September 15th. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I just got this on lock for the beginning of the year. Like everyone knows the policies, the procedures, how we're rolling in class and we're chugging along, introduced this great project that we were going to start the year with. Wife has a baby and I'm out of school for two weeks or whatever. Um, and I found that the students were so gracious because I was being a good dad. I was taken off because of my kid. It wasn't because I was chilling. It wasn't because I was doing any other thing. It wasn't, I was on vacation. Um, it wasn't because I didn't care. And then the energy that you come back with, not only because you're excited to be back at school, but also because you're just excited because you're a brand new dad. Again, you bring that in with you. And I think people just love that. Like, I, I found that with whenever I've been sick, when I've had, a, I had like part of a tooth fall out one time. I was in agony all day and the kids were like, we got it rounds. We're going to put on a movie, just sit in the back and chill. Like, or what I've had migraines. The kids are like, just turn the lights off, turn the, pulls the shades down. We got it today. We're just going to roll with this on our own. And I think kids want that opportunity to be able to show up for you. And, and I think that that's a great gift that we give them when we do that. Chad, dude. Just laughing at people's comments. They're funny. Um, like in a good way. Um, hold good on. I like they're just oh, it's not like Twitter and they're making fun. No, just humorous. Okay, there you go. Babe, I get to show up without a hat on next week. Cause I get to come back with a get a haircut this week oh, for the yeah. first time since March. I like your hair right now, dude. This this is out of control. Look out! Look at this. My hair on the side is never this long. It's like buzzed. Look, <laughs> it looks ridiculous. <laughs> nice tan line. You know what, looks, you I, really know what my hair it. looks like? It looks like the kids in a river runs through it. They all had hair like this. That was oddly parted. <laughs> I know. Look, I try and pull my. I had that hair band. I still get this crazy tail on. It looks like I got a lobotomy or something like that. <laughs> okay, answer your question. Right. Um, then we're going to be done soon because it's Father's Day and I want to get to that gardening place before they close. Um, John Grubel is asking, I am about to be a college sophomore pursuing an English degree for teaching. Do you ever regret teaching, getting an English degree or have you wanted to teach another subject other than English? So John, yeah, man, I think I, I've never regretted it. Because uh, here's the fun thing about English. You can pull all kinds of stuff into English that other classes can't do. So I think it's harder to be a math teacher and pull in some history or some science, maybe, or some English or whatever. But English, all you do, it depends on the text that you're reading or, or the, the, the secondary text that you're using to support that thing, right? So 
Um, so I get to pull in music and movies and history and all these great ideas and, and philosophies and things I'm thinking about or pondering or things that the kids are thinking about. You can pull anything into English class, uh, but you can't do that with all other subjects. I have thought that like teaching history would be really fun. I think I could, even though I don't, math is not my strong suit. I think I could triple down on it and get good at what I need to get good at. And then I would love to teach science sometimes. But I think if I taught science, I'd just do experiments all the time, set things on fire. Um, but that all I have all these other areas of my life that fascinate me. But um, English, I think, is the thing that uh, really I think it is like it's it's the liberal arts of of the education world where you can pull all these other fascinating things in um, and still get that kind of fix from that stuff, too. I, I wouldn't like I think in retrospect, um, getting an English degree, though, like I just didn't have another option. And that's a whole nother long story. But I graduated with an English degree and that was good for exactly zero things that suited me. Right. I didn't want to be an editor or or anything like that. Um, so that just wasn't a good fit for me. Uh, I would have just went to school for secondary education. What you got, dude? Mm, hold on. I'm scrolling. Someone scrolling. asked about the um, bubble wands. Do you want to talk about that? Like, where do you buy them? Oh, yeah. So we're going to sell them because you can't buy them anywhere anymore. Um, bubble wands, I don't even have any in here because the kids are playing with them outside. Uh, we've, been doing, we've been doing backyard concerts every night. Fun fact, everyone where the kids are doing karaoke and I pick the song and then they sing and play guitar with rakes. And it's been friggin' hilarious. Anyway, that's why my bubble wands are outside. So I bought a um, hundred of them, right? We bought a hundred, yeah. We bought a hundred from some company that we found that like was so difficult And that's to the get minimum them. you can buy, yeah. like is a hundred. You can't just get one. And they used to be available in stores and stuff and they're just not anymore. We can, I've looked for the last over a year so they are um we're going to customize those and then we're going to start selling them on our website soon um but we're waiting for like certain other things to come into because we're going to start selling like t-shirts and stickers and sweatshirts and all kinds of stuff uh it's hands coming. on a stick we're on the slow train when yeah. wife for life has to do all that stuff yeah because you know we're doing we're spinning 97 plates at a time but uh those will be something that you can just buy on the website um but like i said they'll be customized they'll all be gold they'll all have labeling on them and branding and stuff like that it'll be cool so it'll be right uh, max johnson is asking um what are some of your philosophies that you feel are important to you are there any that you pass on to your students whether intentionally or unintentionally so max it's a great question man um I think education can be an interesting space, especially a lot of folks are concerned that teachers are pushing like, let's say like liberal views on kids or their agenda or their religion or something like that. I try to, you know, and I'm, I'm certain that some of that happens unintentionally, right? Like for me, I, I just, I don't know that you can get around it, right? I don't talk about who I voted for. I don't talk about my political views. But I do like to facilitate conversations. That being said, I'm sure that some of that stuff comes out. And I just don't even know it, right? And that's something that I'm always learning and adjusting and, and pivoting with. What some of the things I just think are the most important that I try to really, I try to, I try to do this. Uh, St. Francis said, when preach always and when necessary, use words. I want my life to, um, to exude 
someone that is that is really distracting right now. <laughs> Whatever is happening with the hose, they just it's put, the hose because I told Marley is that they were allowed to play. <laughs> What the hell's happening? I don't happening? even know. Can anybody hear me? I don't know. Probably. So, um, preach always when necessary. Preach always when necessary. Use words to me means I want my life to be lived so much out loud and for kids to see that I actually love what I'm doing, that I'm excited about life, that I love my kids, that I love my subject, that I love reading books, that um, I want to keep growing and changing. One of the things I noticed when I was 40 is that largely in friend groups that I grew up with, folks like evened out um and you don't really do as much anymore right like you're pretty happy with the just let him go it's kids and it's summertime and they're playing in the hose awesome and then probably can hear it on here but we're good yeah she said yes (laughs) yeah so that's my kids playing in those um at 40 i found that a lot of my friends were like they were good and this isn't a diss they were just feeling content they had the house the kids the dog the job the car the two weeks vacation they were happy with that I'm just not. Um, and so I like my students to see that if you're not, you can keep growing, changing, doing new stuff. I was, I am not an athletic person, but I started running and taught myself how to be a distance runner. And then I ran for a long time. I wasn't supposed to grow up and write a book. This is not my people that I come from. We don't write books, but I did. I wrote a book and it's, you know, still on the Amazon top 20 in education. Um, I'm not supposed to do a lot of things. I wasn't supposed to go to college. I wasn't supposed to, you know, I'm so, there's a lot of that stuff in my life where if you ask my family, they'd say, no, CJ's not, he doesn't grow his own food. He doesn't like do any number of things that I do. Guess what? I do. And I'm always thinking about what's next. So I want my students to see that. And I want them to know that who you become is not based on who you've, where you've been. Like where you grew up, who you grew up around, the place, the the things that were stacked against you, if anything, that adversity can be used to build something great and to become something great. Um, I've said it before, like my family is riddled with drug and alcohol abuse. My family, not one. So when my when my pop died, um, I was raised by my mom's side of the family. None of the men that that raised me ever graduated from high school they were all in and out of jail they were always in fights they always had all this kind of drama and nonsense happening in their lives and i just decided i wasn't doing that and and i want my students to know that um and and to to do to to at least help plant the seed in them that you can do whatever it is you're hoping to do unless you're five foot two and you want to play basketball you can't do it Kids. But but I think like going after your dreams and having the audacity to dream big and then to get after it. One of the greatest things I ever did by being on social media was to be able to be an example to my students that they watch my growth, however slow or moderate it has been. This shit's hard one. Like writing a book was not easy, and my book's not even that big, bro. Like it's not that. Like this took so long to write, and it's not like a it's not like a freaking novel. You know, it's not a Tim Ferriss book. But that was hard one for me to do, right? And, and I love being able to live that stuff out loud for my students. It just brings me the greatest amount of joy to see kids, see what I'm doing, and then go for it. Um, oh, Mr. James P. Is, just is said you were wrong. So, uh, all right. So, yeah, I'm thinking about Spud Webb, too. Spud Webb was like, you know, five foot nothing and played in, in the NBA. But uh, 
You can do anything. James, come on, man. You know how many kids are going <laughs> to get, if they see this, they're going to be like, I told you, Reynolds. And I'm like, bro, you are built like a coat hanger and you want to be, you know, so yeah, that's that. But look, gang, I'm going to get out of here. It's Father's Day. I'm going to go to my gardening center and then go eat some steak. Um, thank you so much for being a part of this. I know that today is, is you know, can be a tough day for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, I would just encourage you today to uh, shout out your dad, your grandfather, or the people that were the surrogate father for you, the people that showed up um, when yours couldn't, um, and and honor them. And, you know, that is that is what I'm choosing to do today. Although I grew up and I didn't, my dad had passed, it's like celebrating the people that were there for me and being so incredibly thankful for the years I did have. Uh, that's it, gang. That's what I'm going to leave you with. And that's it. Peace.